0: You know, you're having conversations with an individual and you don't just answer their question. You answer the question behind their question.
1: Hey, hey, Brian Miller here, and welcome back to One New Person, the show where we take a closer look at chance encounters to remind ourselves that every interaction is meaningful and every person we meet is important. Today's guest is Christy Lindor, an award-winning management consultant and the author of two books, The Missy Muse, 100-plus Selected Practices, Unwritten Rules, and Habits of Great Consultants, And her latest book, entitled Release, Use the Power of Forgiveness to Get Unstuck and Thrive in Your Career. Christy and I met in 2018 when she sought out my services as a speaking coach for her first TEDx talk. I'm very selective about TEDx coaching, and I only work with speakers whose message I believe in. Christy and I clicked immediately, and you'll hear why in this conversation. We learn from Christy what exactly management consulting is. And for those thinking about the field, she answers the burning question, should you go to school for it? We discuss vulnerability and authenticity at length, a topic that is quickly becoming a core theme of this season, as you'll see in the upcoming episodes. Our conversation moves to human connection and how to find common ground in any situation. And, of course, Christy shares her story of a chance encounter with lasting impact. This episode is jam-packed with insight and actionable information. So grab a notepad, find a quiet space, carve out an hour... And enjoy. All right, Christy, thank you so much for being here with me today. Really appreciate your time.
0: Great to be on the show, Brian. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Listen, let's just start with the obvious place. When someone asks you, What do you do? How do you answer?
0: Today, that's actually a really good question. Today, I tell people that I really help leaders learn how to create a workplace where uh, great people do not have to quit good jobs that's that's kind of my my, my lead in um, I, I focus specifically on organizational development as a consultant. I have a lot of other titles. I feel like I have a lot of slashes, but that's that's the the quick one right now.
1: You help uh, organizations create a, a an, an environment where good people where great people don't have to quit good jobs. Is that what it is?
0: That is correct.
1: That is correct. And that sounds incredibly familiar to me. <laughs> and probably the reason that sounds so familiar is because you and I worked very hard for a few months uh, when we first met in, in crafting uh, that message, which was born out of, that message was born out of a, a, a blog originally, right?
0: Yeah, it, it was a blog I had written. A lot of people don't know the the background to how that blog got written, that blog story. It was actually, I had a very bad week um, a couple weeks ago at work. And I, t- I took that energy and said, you know what? I've been sitting on this concept in terms of how I, I, I view organizational culture and its impact in the workplace. And so I funneled kind of that anger into <laughs> that blog post. And literally two hours later, Brian, the, the blog post went viral. So yeah, so that's how that started. But yeah, you're right, the messaging um, for that did come from, from our work. So, so thank you for that again.
1: Oh no. I mean that, 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 that was all you. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's my job when I work with speakers to be a guide and, uh, and let, us let, fill in that context actually. Um, you and I came to, to meet, I'm actually not sure how, how we originally met. Yeah, I'm actually unclear on how we met.
0: Yeah. I don't remember either. Um, but I'm glad that we did. <laughs> I I was just I'm sitting here thinking like how did how did Brian and I meet I have no idea but the universe let's just let's just kind of give credit to the universe
1: <laughs> we'll definitely give credit to the universe and and more likely than than not we'll give credit to the the internet's capacity for for connecting people from different backgrounds in different situations and uh, and our, our, and our work once we met was you had been invited to speak at a TEDx conference um, in, it was in Spain, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. Zaragoza, Spain. Wow.
1: Why don't you, uh, why don't you talk us through what was, what was it like giving a, a, a TEDx talk? What was the process like for you getting prepped for that?
0: Well, for me, I was, I was extremely nervous. I remember when I came to you, um, I, I know I I somehow, somehow connected with you through the internet and I, I don't remember how, but, um, you, you know, I, I loved your background uh, and I, I loved kind of the perspective that you brought. And I saw your TEDx talk and I said, wow, I think I think that, you know, he could really help me. It was um, the, the the talk that I got invited to as a result of this blog um, post that went viral. It was actually the first time that I was going to be speaking not only on an international stage, um, but just in terms of, you know, the, the magnitude of a TED talk. Right. I, I've heard so many stories about how those types of talks can, can essentially kind of, you know, really accelerate your, um, you know, your your profile and your, your brand. And so I was really, really nervous. And me being an introvert, uh, you know, going out and speaking, especially in another country, was just not something that came to me naturally. So I said, you know what, I really need time to prep. So I think that's, you know, like when you and I connected and started working together, you know, we kind of went through that process using that frame, you know, the kind of the TED framework. What was interesting is that from the time that I, you know, did my interview with uh, the TEDx organizers in Spain and, you know, it was was like obviously it was a virtual process. Um, I did a couple of uh, dry runs with them. Again, you know, it was it was all virtual. Uh, they they were very thorough, by the way, which was really impressive. How organized they were to be able to pull together a talk and have people from all over the world coming to speak at it. Um, but back to your question about my experience, that was fascinating because in the in in that TEDx talk, I think there was about fifteen of us that was giving a talk that day, and the entire show from beginning to end was entirely in Spanish, except for my talk. <laughs> so could you imagine? <laughs> um, I got to the stage, you know, I got in, in, into the event from, you know, everyone around me speaking Spanish. I'm sitting there and watching all the other, t- you know, talks and the speakers going up. And then I go up and I do my talk and I, you know, leave the stage. But that whole experience was, was I, I, I didn't understand it. and And what's interesting about that, you know, going back to the connections with people, even though I did not understand um, each of the other talks, I knew exactly the message that they were giving, just through the nonverbal cues, through you know how the audience interacted with their content through the pictures. And some some of them had video content that they had displayed. So it's it's fascinating that I sat through this three, you know, almost four-hour event and in in another language that I, I, I you know I, I barely knew. And I still was able to follow along. I didn't think um, a lot of people knew what I was saying. You know, I I thought maybe only a handful (laughs) knew uh, what I was talking about. But it turned out that um, English is is very common. um, And the people that was in the audience, I think there was over over five or six hundred people in the audience. They all knew what I was talking about. Um, And they laughed at certain points and they came to me afterwards. So it was just a very unique experience that I'll honestly I'll never forget.
1: Yeah. And, and the talk for what it's worth, you know, it came out great. I mean, are you, are you, are you happy with how, how it all worked out?
0: Yeah, I'm extremely happy. uh, given, I, I I'm extremely happy, particularly for where I started you know, I mm-hmm. it, like I mentioned, it was the first time I was ever going to do something of this magnitude. And I had just started in my speaking kind of in my speaking career. I was literally just getting the ground, you know, off the ground. I had, you know, by the time yeah. I got invited to this TED Talk, I had already, you know, I done maybe a couple of panels, one or two, you know, workshops at different colleges. So it was really, really new to the to the kind of the speaking space. So um so for me this was you know you know that that talk really helped elevate um my 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 growth uh, tremendously and just pushing through that no matter how scared i was you know i pushed through it so um for for that reason alone i think i was really excited about it
1: yeah and and you did really really well and and the, the talk itself has done really well it's 30 40, views which you know, I, I know on the internet these days when you look at those numbers, sometimes you look at, you know, people with millions of views and things. Like, I know, like, for, for me, I got really lucky with, with my TEDx. But when I look at, you know, my, my blog, you know, like, I, I don't know, a thousand or so people read my blog. And in the world of the internet, that's, you know, that feels like peanuts. You look at these people with hundreds of thousands or millions of, of blog readers. But then when you take a step back and, and you think to yourself, if I had a thousand people in the room in front of me, that were listening to what I had to say, it would feel like a massive accomplishment. And so, you know, 30 or 40,000 people have watched your TEDx and it has great feedback and great comments. And from what I've seen from you since giving it, it seems like it really has done its job of giving you a platform. Uh, you know, what's what's been going on since, since the TEDx? Because, I mean, maybe we should back up because you you come from consulting, right?
0: Right, right.
1: Can you take us through, just just for a second, for, I think there's a lot of folks who probably don't really know what consulting is. They hear that term, it's used all the time. What what is a consultant? What do you do? What's your goal?
0: Yeah, so essentially, as a consultant, uh, my primary goal is to really help my clients solve complex business problems. And there are a lot of different consultants consultants out there, to your point, um, the word is synonymous with a lot of different titles and definitions. So you may, for example, have heard of someone with the word consult, you know, with the title consultant, um, and they probably play more of like a sales, um, you know, like, a, you know, play more in a sales capacity. Um, but for me, as a mm-hmm. management consultant, I focus on helping clients with the, with complex problems. And then within that, within that definition, I my expertise really lies in in helping them solve people related problems, workforce related problems. Um, so for example, I may come in and help an organization rethink how they want their culture to look like you know if they're going through a new um, a, you know kind of a, a, a reorg or a strategy um you know like reset or or anything of that sort um if they decide to, Merge with another company, acquire a company. Um, they may want to look at the organization. Um, I may help with training. I may help with communications or issues like di- you know how do you create a more diverse, inclusive workforce? So that's kind of the the area I focus in on, um, and I focus in on that specifically for for corporate organizations. Um, and it's interesting. I've been a cons- I've been a management consultant now, I'd say over eighteen years, Brian, but. In that in the span wow. of that eighteen years, I've rebranded my 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 focus and my expertise. So I went from um, being kind of more it it consulting in the past um, to be more strategy consultant to now really honing in on on what I really love to do, which is really helping people solve kind of people related problems.
1: Yeah, so that that actually speaks to my because that rebranding speaks to what I was really curious about here, which is um, consulting is something that. Um, some folks get formal training in, right? You can go right, get your MBA. Right. Yeah. Uh, you you have formal training,
0: yeah, correct? Yeah, I have. I do have formal training right. in, and what I'm doing, as well as the the just the years of experience as well. Right.
1: Right. And so some folks get formal training, like with the intention of, you know, I'm going to get my MBA and be a consultant and others fall into consulting, um, after, you know, years of experience in a particular field, if they've been in a field for 15, 20 years and they have a lot to offer, then they can, you know, sell their services as a consultant, either full-time or part-time outside of their, their work. Is, Is there a particular advantage to, formal training if somebody wanted to go down that route as opposed to, um, you know, learning on site and, and just leveraging your experience. Like what's the advantage to the formal training?
0: Yeah. It's a question that I get, uh, um, I get constantly, uh, you know, I, I part, and again, I'm, you know, maybe it's just because of my years of experience in consulting. I actually think the best way to be a, a, a really great consultant is, um, for you to really be good at the types of work that you're doing today and really having experience. To me, experience is your currency. And that experience can come from um, formal like in, in you know in your job and you know out in a particular industry. It can also come from not, you know, non-formal from kind of volunteer work. I've seen people be able to pivot into consulting, you know, doing some really important um, you know, kind of uh, like volunteer types of work. I think where you know, formal education comes into play is if you are trying to do a hard pivot, you know, and when I say that, so for example, um, I've met people that may have spent, let's say, a decade or so as an engineer, and they've decided, you know what, I really want, you know, this is great, but I really want to go and do more business strategy consulting work. So for them, they felt, you know, they may feel like the, you know, the, the easiest way to make that pivot, that shift From being a a, a hardcore engineer to becoming a consultant is to go back and and kind of you know go to you know get their MBA, learn some kind of business fundamental concepts, and then be able to kind of make that leap. So I feel so so I think the formal um, education, while you know there's nothing wrong with it, and I think it is important. It's an important supplement. um, It should it should not you know kind of stop somebody from considering. Um, going into consulting, I think that I think the key is if you decide to go into this this type of work, you know, why consulting? You know, you I think you have to really think about what is it that you're looking to provide um your clients. Why you and why now, right? So I think you have to kind of really think through, you know, what's kind of your value prop if you decide to make that that pivot. Um, but a lot of people do make it through kind of that that formal training. That seems to be the you know the easiest way if you're gonna you know go from one drastic role to another
1: yeah, why you and why now those are two great questions, and I feel like those same questions become part of the process when you're working with a client right when they're trying to solve their problems I mean consultants take the form of 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 coaches to a certain extent and I, i'm I'm curious for for you uh, you know going through working with with me on on your TEDx talk for the span of a few months was it hard to be on the other side of that table
0: you know i, I wouldn't say it was it was hard <laughs> i think I think it was actually a little bit easier just because I spend my time servicing clients. So I, I kind of have a little bit of an idea of, you know, what to what to expect in that process um, and working with someone, uh, especially someone like yourself. You know, I knew you had the expertise and what you were offering. And, you know, for me, I'm I'm. I'm, you know, willing to kind of let go if you will. I don't need to be in the in the the driver's seat, but I I kind of have an idea of what to expect. I I I think for me when I worked with you, I was really focused on the journey and really focused on that growth and really kind of challenging myself, and I think you did a really good job of helping me, co- you know, coach me through that process. Um, but I but but not everyone knows how to leverage consultants um strategically or efficiently. And so I think you know I think just understanding kind of what they do and what they don't do I think is really critical in working with one or becoming one.
1: Yeah, that that's actually cr- probably one of the hardest things about being one, right? Is that people if you don't already have a consultant or if you don't already have a coach, it's probably because you don't think you need one or don't understand what value they would bring. And and educating someone on what the value is for working with a coach and Um, you know, what they can expect to get out of it, you know? And I think that's probably why so many consultants, so many coaches use the analogy of, of, you know, even world-class athletes have coaches, right?
0: Right. Absolutely. I, uh, to me, and it's funny, I'm, I'm a a consultant and maybe because I know the value that that role can bring. um, I have a number of different coaches that I work with because I I truly believe if you really want to go from good to great, it doesn't matter what field, what expertise you have um, to kind of go from good to great. It's always always important to have someone come in with a different lens, with a different perspective, um that can really kind of, you know, look at what you're doing objectively and and help you, you know, kind of guide you. I think the goal is for you kind of to let go in a way, know what you, know what your goal is, but be able to let go and kind of, you know, kind of be able to to follow um and go through that journey. I think that's that's what's really important. It's all about the journey.
1: So as long as we're still on the topic of the the uh, the TEDx and kind of floating around there, um, why do great people quit good jobs?
0: Well, <laughs> um, I know for <laughs> from my perspective that there's a lot of different ideals that are floating around there. I think the most traditional um, and most popular one uh, that most people have kind of heard throughout their career is the fact that people leave – you know, people leave good jobs because of a of a of a crappy manager or bad leadership. That seems to be the you know that's the that's to me that's kind of the big fall on the sword. Like you know the port you know leaders are, are 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 horrible. And I mean because I've been in so many organizations, you know you know today to, you know as as of today, I've actually you know worked at over and consulted at over eighty different. Organizations across the Fortune 100 spectrum across the globe, and each one of them, when I when I peel back the onions and the layers of what's happening um, on the ground, it always goes back to culture, uh, and culture is a representation of a, of an ecosystem, which includes leadership. So it's not that leadership is not part of it, but leadership is is one component of a broader. Kind of system, if you will, um, and so for me, that's that's what I found time and time again, um, and that's kind of what I talk about. I, you know, I talked about it in my blog post and, and my talk, um, and I've got some other projects underway with that ideal. But it all to me, it always goes back to culture,
1: and culture is made up of of people, right? And that's what you you keep saying is that the, these are. These are, we, we think of corporations and organizations and businesses as if, as if they're like this kind of this own, you know, this, this other thing, but they're just, they're just people. And obviously that's where you and I really align, uh, you know, in, in very different ways, both of us are working in the field of people helping, uh, helping people and, you know, this podcast is all about chance encounters, lasting impact. So while we're on the topic of people, do you have a story for us of a, uh, a chance encounter, somebody you met randomly at some point that had a, an impact on, on your life or your career that,
0: that's really memorable to you? Actually, I do. Um, so interestingly enough, I, and, and this person, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm actually going to meet her for the first time in, in person uh, this July. So, so it's interesting, but, you know, talk about the, 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 the power of the internet. So kind of like you, I, I somehow stumbled on, um, this one young lady that I've been friends with for, I've been friends with her now for about, I'd say about three or so years. Um, and we were kind of, you know, we're in kind of different, different journeys in our career. She's, she's been, you know, had started getting her business off the ground you know i'm really you know i'm still you know pl- an employed at an organization but we were kind of we were kind of aligned in terms of our thinking and and how we we look at things and it started out by us following each other on linkedin and, you know, her <laughs> commenting on my my post, I commented on hers that turned into us, you know, connecting offline that turned into um, us being able to email each other with ideas and sharing kind of thoughts and, and, and things. And it's been it's been so fascinating in that. And we talk about this all the time. We're so aligned. We live two different worlds. We live in two different states in the U.S. Um, never met. But she's had such a tremendous impact um, in terms of helping me grow, in terms of uh, helping me really kind of build more confidence. There's certain risks that I've taken. It was is as, as actually as a result of speaking with her and just kind of watching her journey, um, and her watching mine. She's kind of you know had the same um, type of mutual benefit. So I, I just find that fascinating. In that you know you've no, you know I've never met this person in person yet. But she's had such a tremendous impact because we've we've been able to connect on such a deeper level, and uh, you know it's 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 really uh, it's been really serendipitous uh, to have her in my life.
1: Serendipitous is a great word. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, what sort of risks have you been encouraged to to take as a result of this? Uh this connection.
0: couple of risks. I think it's me being more comfortable in in really honing my voice. Um, so I think, you know, so I mentioned the the blog post that went viral and, and that sort of thing. But outside of that, I was I've been really, really conservative in um, kind of letting like putting my thoughts out there in public. Uh, Because I I was always come from like, you know, if I put it out there, you know, what are people going to say? What are people going to think? And, you know, I I just kind of was like stuck in my head around a lot of ideals and concepts that I had Um, and just and just not wanting to put them out there. And maybe it's the introvert in me. I'm not sure. But I kind of went through this this like this this kind of rigor of myself and 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 kind of speaking with her again. and And she's she's actually kind of quite the opposite. It's like, you know, she has, like, like no filter, I think. (laughs) And she kind of says what she wants on the internet. And she's very unapologetic. And it's so refreshing to see her post. Because I'm like, wow, like and i'm like wow I, I i don't know if i could ever be like that and um you know and her and i talking and she's like well of course you can be like that you can be whatever you want to be and, and and hearing her say that and watching kind of how she moves is giving me a little bit of a permission to be more open um and be willing to share myself on on on, on more and 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 sharing myself means not only sharing the good things but also sharing the bad things and so you know, if someone's been following me, let's say, on any of my social media accounts um, over the last, let's say, over the last seven to eight months or so, I've been a lot more vulnerable. You know, I've been able to kind of share ups and downs and share stories and and be able to connect with people. And it's funny, um, and, you know, in the time that I've met her and we've made this connection, I had I had already since shut my podcast down. I had a podcast show um, and I had shut that down. Mm-hmm. And that was for, um, you know, one of my first books. But I've been really rethinking starting up a new podcast um, with this kind of this new risk taking. Right. And to really kind of bring yes. really bring more of me. Right. And I, so I haven't, you know, nothing's nothing's, you know, kind of said I've been I've still tinkering with the concept. But I, I I say, you know, I want the next show to come out to really be 100 percent me and um, kind of just, you know, kind of being in her in her in her hemisphere, has really kind of um, it, it's been a little contagious. Um, so I'm looking forward to to being able to do that more and more. But for me, it's been baby steps. Like you know, I so, I know some people, they're really kind of unfiltered and out there, um, and that's fantastic. But for me, it's it's been kind of baby steps to kind of unpack um, that vulnerability and and be able to really make some real connections with people, whether I've met them in person or I've never met them before in my life. Um, so I'm looking forward to continuing down that that path. That's
1: that's great. And first of all, a hundred percent, yes, you should start uh, up uh, a new podcast for for sure, um, or continue the one that you already had and just you know, pivot and just change. You can change the title. I mean, the beauty of podcasts, right, is that they're so malleable. You can kind of do whatever you want with them. But it, correct me if I'm wrong. Are you a, a an alumni of the Alt-MBA? Seth yes. Godin's Alt-MBA?
0: Proudly. You are? Proudly. Okay.
1: <laughs> Proudly. Of course. There's nobody who's not proud to be a part of that. He's been rolling out a bunch of uh, smaller workshops around really niche kind of areas and uh called now he's calling them i think the akimbo workshops and um this podcast my podcast one new person was born in the podcast fellowship um, in the second round of the podcast fellowship which he uh co-runs with alex depama this legendary audio producer she was a guest on the show earlier um in the, the in my first season and i think if you're even considering launching a new podcast and you're not sure where to take it take the next round of the podcast fellowship. Since you're already familiar with Seth's kind of online approach that's so opposite of every other online course, you would just get so much out of it. It was, it was hugely beneficial.
0: Yeah, no, that that's great to know. I didn't know about the, the podcast fellowship. Actually, so, so, so funny story, my podcast show was born out of the old MBA. <laughs> and, and, and it was just that, that the energy of that program, uh, one of a kind, one of a kind. And I, I think that really was what, what kind of opened that that began the, the doors of, you know, opening and, and me kind of really being able to connect with people on a different level and being able to put, you know, that that was actually what started it all, to be honest. So um, I'll definitely check out the podcast fellowship for sure. Seth is awesome. I I still yeah. love him. I still love him.
1: Speaking of which, you have written two books. Uh let's start with your first book, which is uh in in as far as I can tell in your field done it just incredibly well. I mean, I've I've bounced around, you know, uh, it's not a book written for somebody like me. Um, it's written for uh, you know for consultants right called the messy muse
0: yes um so the messy muse a hundred hundred plus selected practices unwritten rules and habits of great consultants uh that so
1: let, let me let me just let me just pause just for a second yeah. messy m-e-c-e <laughs> what is that what does it stand for
0: yeah so um misi stands for mutually exclusive collectively exhaustive and MISI Whoa. is a term, it's actually a, a a technique uh that is used in management consultant to really be able to get to the root cause of a of a of a of a consulting problem, of a business problem. Um, so we use that technique in 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 a lot of kind of the frameworks that we create. And that's kind of from the lens because clients pay us a lot of money um and they want us to come in and not only provide objective. You know, in, you know, impartial recommendations, but they want they want to make sure that we're going to come in and we're going to nail it, right? And so, mm-hmm. go, you know, using the Misi framework is is a method to really be able to to get to the root cause. You know, kind of see beyond the noise. And it's it's funny, you know, I've been using Misi for over you know over a decade or so in my career. So it's like that's kind of how I think. You know, it's it's more than just its framework. It's kind of because I, I do it unconsciously now. Um, through everything. And and the reason I I named the book Misi, specifically, I, I use that word. Um, you know, coming into consulting as a first generation um college grad, a you know, first generation American, I had never even heard of consulting up until I got to college. It was not a mm-hmm. it was not a commonly known career path growing up. And when I got into the field. I realized there was there was sort of a, 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 you know, especially for me, I'm talking specifically management consulting is there's a little bit of an elitist, um, really kind of, um, you know, separatist way of the culture of consultants. Because um, if you think mm-hmm. about it, most consult, if you look at most big firms, um, they hire from, the, you know, they only hire from the best Colleges it's extremely competitive to get into that space um and so because of that there's a there's a little bit of a mystery and mystique around well what is it that they do and for me, um you know that book was literally fifteen years in the making. <laughs> I knew I wanted to write something <laughs> like that book. Um, I didn't know it was going to kind of be that in that title, but I knew that I wanted to put something out there that can be relatable, um, that really focused on, to me, the, the root of a great consultant, which in my mind is not just the technical element. It's not just your technical expertise. It's your ability to connect with people. It's your ability to, to be able to bring that emotional intelligence to your clients. In addition to the expertise you bring, that's what makes a great consultant. Um, and so for me, you know, I, I use that word and it's a little polarizing. It, it has been since I've I've published, because on one hand, consultants who read it are said, oh, wow, that's a great title. And then other people are like, I don't know what the hell that means. So it's been it's been a very interesting reactions um, with the title, but I wouldn't change it for the world.
1: Yeah. Well, that was the the first time I ever when we when you and I started working together, um, I had to ask you a lot of questions over and over and over and over and over again because I'm not from that world and I don't know the terms. And to a certain extent, that is the advantage, I think, of having anybody, for anybody in any field of having a coach or a consultant, somebody to take a look at their Work from the outside perspective. You know, I I had to look up Misi. I had no idea what that meant. Um, you know, you were using terms organizational culture and and things that I was just like, listen, I'm the average person that stumbles on your TEDx talk. What is this? What am I listening to? You know, and um, you you speak though about connection over and over and over again. Uh, and my my question here is, I've been thinking a lot about this recently. I get asked, you know. How do you connect with someone that you don't understand? Like, have you had, have you had circumstances where you start working with a client and you really just, you, you don't understand what they're, what, who they are, what they're going through. There's something about them that you don't jive with. How, how do you bridge the gap? What do you do?
0: Um, it happens a lot, right? um it, it happens often, especially over the you know over an eighteen year career um, it, it, you know you get the the clients that you're just like I, I don't know what I don't know what I don't know right <laughs> with this situation mm-hmm. and for me, I think instead of focusing on what I don't know or the things that i I don't understand about that particular client, I always try to find the common ground. Um, and and sometimes for some clients that may mean you know me kind of going to the conversation and trying to really learn who they are on a personal level because maybe for them family's most important and and family's important to me too right and so kind of starting out with that common thread of shared values is is where I, I like to go first. Um, for other people they like to you know be very they're very proud about their credentials. And very proud about all the hard work and how, you know, how far they've gotten in their life. And so maybe the connection is really, you know, helping them and and thinking about, you know, development and sending articles on ways they can continue to have a competitive edge. Right. For others, it can be more about achievement, really about they're really, you know, they don't talk about anything else, but they are really focused on. I want to take this organization to the next level and I'm really I'm going to be really good friends with anyone who can help me do that. So I think it's, you know, really finding out what are people's true motivation. Um, And sometimes that that goes that that happens when, you know, you're having conversations with an individual and you don't just answer their question. You answer the question behind their question. And that, to me, you can always get back to what is this? What is important to that person? What values do they hold dear? And how can I really um be able to align to those said values? Um, I, I, and again, that, like I said, that path looks different for everyone. But I feel like when I get to a point where I feel like there's so many things kind of stacked up against me, I have to take a step back and say, okay, you know what? I can't focus on all those. Let me go back to back to basics. Let me go back to ground one. What is the thing that we can all, we can agree on and then kind of build back up from there.
1: So it's finding, finding the common ground, any common ground on which to build, build a foundation for a relationship is really the the first step for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Awesome. So you actually have a, uh, you have a new book. And by the time this podcast is live, I believe it will already be out. It's called Release. Use the power of forgiveness to get unstuck and thrive in your career. Is that right?
0: That is correct. And it's actually, uh, it's out on uh, Amazon um, right now.
1: Terrific. So I can tell already the pivot you were talking earlier about over the last seven, eight months, you can see the change on social media, that you've been getting more vulnerable, that you've been this vulnerability that's kind of new for you, and this this book title just, just the title, having not read it, uh, feels like it's a real extension of that new vulnerability. What what is this book? You know, and 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 you, having gone through the alt MBA, you know the qu- two questions I'm about to ask: who is it for, and what's it for?
0: Right, right. Um, so, the book is really all about helping people unpack. Different situations that they may have had um, in their career, helping them take the moment to unpack that um, in a way that it it helps them really be, you know, take like be able to take their career to the next level. Um, and when I say that, when people think about forgiveness, you know, usually forgiveness is considered in the context of personal matters. You know, you think about how you know you forgive your family members, you forgive a friend. Um, you may think of forgiveness as a religious construct. Um, in that that sense. But we don't think about, you know, how is it that you can take the same concept of forgiveness and unpack it so that it can be applied in the workplace um, and that you can use it personally. You can use it as a leader. You can also use it as just an individual, you know, um, high achieving professional. Um, and, And so it's really taking that as a tool and being able to redirect energy. Um, and that's really kind of where I always I always talk about it. And it actually comes from a personal story, which I share in the book about the fact that I, you know, I hadn't I did not get a, per, a particular promotion. This was several years back. Um, and, and, and during that time, um, I was actually in the process of writing my first book. But I was kind of limping along and I didn't get this promotion, um, this major promotion that I was intending, um, even though I had worked years and, you know, really hard for it um and i was so i remember just being kind of so disappointed um because i i, I was for sure i was going to get it it didn't get it uh and so i had already had similar to that 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 viral that post that went viral i had already had this concept of forgiveness that i had already been using in my in my career just because of the mirror of the person that i am just because of who i am and, and, and you know and and what i stand for you know i'm a woman of color in a predominantly, you know, male environment, and so I've had to adapt. I've had to use different skills in order to adapt in those types of environments. And forgiveness is one of them, um, because as you, you know, may or may not, you know, imagine, um, I have faced. I've faced, you know, racist situations. I've faced sexist situations. I've faced ageism situations, especially when I was younger. And so. You know as well as socioeconomic, right? when I talk about being first generation first college grad, i didn't I don't have certain connections that some of my colleagues had, so i you know, I face a lot of different adversities, so I had to you i had to be able to lean on different skills in order to be able to to be successful in my career. and I think most people may not have realized kind of the the amount of work that it takes to do that, but anyways i I took this concept. That I had been casually using in my head. And when I didn't get that promotion, instead of wallowing in it that evening, I said, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna put some thought and, and really formalize this, this forgiveness model um, into something that's more systematic. Because I wanted to make sure if I was thinking about forgiveness, it wasn't just this like woo woo, soft, touchy feely thing. It was actually a process that, you know, people can use, and, and they can use it time and time again. Um, so I did that, and then I put it into test. I said, all right, let me test this idea. And that actually was the beginning of a lot of things unfolding, was using that energy that I had had and essentially releasing it strategically, which is what, mm-hmm. you know, the, the book is about. Um, and, and it's really more, it's actually not even a full book. It's a guided journal. And it's really about giving you the the space and time um, to really think through certain past situations you may have had in the workplace and giving you kind of a a framework to be able to work through them. So I really call it the gift of uh, introspection um, and and perspective. Mm -hmm.
1: It sounds like it's uh, very, very tactical, very action-oriented.
0: Yes, absolutely. And and that was purposeful, Brian. I wanted to make sure because I feel like I wanted to make sure that the book was more um, tactical and, you know, because I feel like with the topic of forgiveness, it can become abstract very quickly and become very theoretical and high level. I didn't want it to be that at all. Um, And so it comes off more as like a guided type of journal where you can kind of go through different exercises um, using the framework. Um, Read examples of other people that have gone through the framework um, and just really kind of getting a sense of how you can kind of really put it into action. So action is definitely the key, you know, key, key uh, element of, of this book.
1: I, I think you're right. I think a topic like that, and there are a lot of topics that can very easily be abstract. Um, and that you know, <clears throat> you and I probably both devour lots of the same types of books, you know, personal success books and, and business strategy books and marketing books. And so many of them have such great ideas, but you, you read it, you know, and after 200 pages, you go, oh, this could have just been a blog post, you know, it like it didn't need to be a 200 page book. Um, I would rather it be you know 10 pages with some action oriented you know what can i actually do to take this and it sounds like that's that's what you're going for and i i'm going through that process right now i'm working on my second book um which you'll laugh at because when we first worked together i was i was finishing the three year journey of writing my first book and i was not happy because i was I was frustrated as an author, and I just wanted it done. And everybody told me, oh, after you write the first book, you're going to write two or three more in the span of you know five or six years. And I was like, nope, did not enjoy this. I (laughs) hope this book is good enough to last for the next 10 years of my career, if not more. I have no interest in doing it again. And here, my first book hasn't even been out for eight months, and I'm already um, working on the second one. And the The reason I'm bringing this up is because the topic of my second book speaks right to something you were just talking about. The topic of the book I'm working on is about the role of luck in success, and that uh, so many high-achieving, successful people, especially motivational, inspirational speakers, um, I think uh, do do a disservice to young people and young professionals by ignoring the role that luck has in success. And there's a lot of different components to luck. There is chance encounters, which is the whole point of this, this podcast. This book is actually really born out of the conversations I've been having on this show. And so I'd like to, to maybe drive home this conversation here and ask you, you know, first, do you believe in luck? And second, what is the role of luck in success because I hear from you, you didn't have luck in the form of privilege. You you had the opposite of that, if anything. And so, but it sounds like from your stories and your career and the the achievements and your success that there is definitely a component of luck but that you were able to harness it um, in, in in an actionable way. So like, wh- how do you feel about luck? Is there luck and, and can you deliberately Put yourself in lucky situations.
0: So, I think I think your book is is going to be uh, fascinating. I'm looking forward to seeing you know kind of how you tackle this this subject. Me personally, and again, it, you know, I'm going to say it from my for just from my lens and, and experience and you know everything that I've I've done. It's you know it's taken a village. Some of it's been a virtual village, right? It's taken a lot of different people mm-hmm. to somehow show up in my life. And if you were outside looking in. You may you may chuck it all up to luck, like wow, she's just been really lucky. I don't, I don't see it that way. I I think for me personally, um, I feel like it all starts with two things: a vision and a decision. Right. So I've made the decision very early on. Um, When I was younger, as a as a a, you know a teenager, I made the decision that I wanted to lead a certain type of life, right? And I knew, I knew that there was a lot of things that I probably needed to overcome. And I'm still working on them, right? Years later, that I but there's things I needed to kind of overcome or to work through in order to be able to meet that decision or meet the vision of those decisions. But I feel like it's it's vision. So, you know, you know how, and again, this may sound cheesy to some, you know, you can, you know, if you can see it, you can achieve it. But it's a little bit more than that, right? And so for me, what you're describing as luck, I describe as intuition. What you're describing as luck, I describe as synchronicity. What you're describing as luck, I describe as inspiration. What you may describe as luck, I describe as desire or coincidence. And to me, I feel like, a lot of the things that I've done in my in my in my career and my life has been because of those things. I've leaned into those things using a vision, using the decision that I have, because I have free will. I can wake up and decide, you know what? I can either do two things. Right. I can either A, I can watch TV all day or B, I can sit and start working on the next chapter or do research for a book or do research for my client or go and, you know, go see a, a go to a workshop. I have I have that decision. I can make those decisions, and it's the accumulation of said decisions that helps me realize those visions. But it's not without me leaning into my inner self, without me leaning, you know, into into you know certain certain kind of tools that I have internally to activate those things. And it doesn't matter what what, what race you are, what gender you are, what where you live in the world, especially in in such a connected. Technologically advanced world as we have today, anyone can tap into those things.
1: So what i what I hear you saying is that when people look at folks like uh, like you, uh, like me, like there's there's a lot of you know so many. You look at the high, you know, kind of successful people, people who've done very well for themselves. It's really easy to, you know, and for, for me, like I look at a lot, you know, there's like celebrities and there's like my mentors and my heroes who are way above and beyond things I've done that I can't even possibly imagine. You can, it's so easy to look at them and say, wow, they were so lucky. They randomly met that person and they randomly ended up this thing. And, and what you're saying as far as what I'm hearing you say is, yes, you, you cannot control when those random occurrences happen, but. With intention and with decisions and with vision, you can put yourself in the most likely situation on a regular basis for those, quote, lucky moments to occur. And then when they do, you're ready for them and you get to take advantage of them because you've got the vision and you know where you're heading. Is that, is that about it?
0: Yeah, I would, I would say so. I mean, there's, there, there probably is a little bit more to it. I think one of the ways to activate that, and again, this is just me, Christy, personally, I think it's through gratitude, just being grateful for where you are today. So I think a lot of people spend a lot of time or the headspace focused on the future and not being really great, taking a moment to be really, really grateful for where you are. And yes, you're excited for the future, but being really, really thankful. Um, I feel like that's the gas that fuels all of that, to be honest.
1: It's beautiful. As we wrap up, where can, uh, where can we find you? What do you want us to go check out on the interwebs?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, thanks. First of all, thanks again for having me on your show, uh, Brian. I'm, I'm super excited to see your path continue to unfold and all the great things you're doing, um, which is phenomenal. Thank you. Uh, for for anyone who wants to check me out, they can go to ChristyLindor.com. Um, my book release as well as the Macy Muse are on Amazon and social media. I'm on all the social media, but I really spend my time on LinkedIn. So Christy Lindor, LinkedIn.
1: Great. We will make sure that uh, all of those links are in the show notes on uh, on one new person.com so they can definitely check out all that stuff, click right over, check out your uh, either of your books, check out your blog, check out your LinkedIn and see all the wonderful, exciting and um, and more open, authentic and vulnerable uh uh, you know, gifts that you you have to share. So, I really appreciate your time today and uh thanks so much. It was so nice and I I you know, what's funny is we started this conversation a while back chatting about how there are people that, you know, have impacted your life that you've never actually met in person. And it it literally just occurred to me in this moment, you and I have never met in person.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we have, <laughs> like, Brian. It's so funny. <laughs> It's so all right. Yeah. I
1: I, I feel I felt like we had two, but we have actually not met in person. So uh you and you were in the Boston area, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I am.
1: You you are just you are just two hours away from, from me and and I tend to be in Boston from time to time working at uh working at various events. And one of um my colleagues now is somebody that I was introduced to through you. Uh, who was also in the Boston area? Oh, really? Uh, Ashley Perret, who you were on a panel with at one point. You you were on a um a, a panel for I I don't know what it was, but she came to me for help with her yes, TEDx yes, talk. And that's then, right. Yeah, Ashley and I just we just clicked. We had complementary styles. I helped her with that, and ever since uh, she and I have worked on some events together and uh, in, in in person. So so you you made a beautiful connection happen happen there uh, just by chance. And, uh, and we were all able to take advantage of that opportunity. So maybe soon you and me and Ashley can all meet up in, uh, in Boston and have a, little, uh, have a little lunch, a little powwow. I
0: love it. What, 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 let, let, name the date, time, I'm there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Before you check out Christy's TEDx Talk, Why Great People Quit Good Jobs, here are a few takeaways from this episode. First, when faced with the opportunity to make a big life or career move, Ask yourself, why you and why now? Your answers will clarify the decision and steer you in the right direction. Second, we constantly meet people we don't immediately understand. But that doesn't mean we can't. Seek first to find common ground. What do they believe that you can get on board with? Lean into that and suddenly connections form. And finally, remember that introspection is a gift. It's a gift you give to yourself and everyone else in your life. You can't understand anyone if you don't first understand yourself. And that process starts often with forgiveness. Head to onenewperson.com for show notes and related links, including Christy's blog, her books, and her social medias. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe via your favorite podcast streaming app and consider joining our community for instant updates and bonus resources. I'm Brian Miller, this is One New Person, and we'll see you next time.